Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you tired of working 9 to 5? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of The Girl Take No Podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Techno Podcast. I'm your host, Shani Sanders. And today we have with us Kim Rostebach. He is um, a branding guru. He is a speaker. He has a blog that he's been on doing for about um, branding. And also he's the author of a new book called Branding Queens, Branding Secrets from 20 Incredible Women Who Built Global Brand Dynasties. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Shani. I really look forward to this conversation. Yeah, this is going to be good because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we all need to understand how to brand our businesses. And I think a lot of us kind of get so caught up in just being creative and just focus on the product or service that we kind of forget about branding, you know, and it's a part of everything that we do. So I'm happy to get into this conversation. But before we do, tell me, give me the story behind your brand. Tell me what made you start your branding company. (laughs) So... (laughs) I have been in marketing for many, many years. I worked for uh, a large organization where I was in marketing. I actually loved it so much. I I quit and went into an advertising agency, worked in the (laughs) advertising agency biz for about 15 years, again, working on small uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, companies to large organizations that were international as well as regional. And, and throughout all of this, I, you know, kept just learning more about it's, it's so complex branding. It, I, I keep yeah. telling people it's, it's a journey. It's not a goal. Uh, yes. and so when you actually do start off as an entrepreneur, it's the last thing you actually think about. You know, you need the name. You need a name. Um, that's important. Uh, yeah. but beyond that, understanding all the other um, pieces to, to the brand, uh, yeah. comes, as you need them. Um, so anyways, I, I've been in this uh, field for over 30 years. Oh, okay. Long time. Okay. So you have all the Jews that you can tell us all about branding. <laughs> yeah, I started when I was 10. <laughs> Did you have a lemonade stand? You had to brand that lemonade stand or the paper route? <laughs> I had both. <laughs> so tell us how important is it to have a well-defined brand. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my brand definition, and and mm-hmm. uh, Maya Angelou, who's an awesome uh, writer. Yes, I kind yes. of paraphrased one of her quotes, and my quote is: "A brand isn't about what it says or does, 
but how it makes its customers feel. So at the end of the day, a brand and building a brand is all about your customer and how they build that relationship with your product or service. So while you're busy making whatever you're making and making sure it's the best quality, it is that relationship, all the touch points, all the interactions that they are having with your product, be it when they buy it, when they actually use it, when they open up the package, when it gets delivered, all of these are touch points. And so you can, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you can influence all of these touch points. And that's where branding comes mm -hmm. in. But the brand is owned by your customer. That's a good, I, I like that concept. The brand is owned by your customer because most of us think, well, this is my brand, I own this brand. You know, and it should be more think about the customer first versus what you want to see. You got to think about what the customer wants to see. I like it's that. Their, I it's like that. their relationship. It's their net impression of what you are giving yeah. them. So it becomes really important to understand, you know, some major components of your brand, which is why? Why are you doing this? What's your story? Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I, I realized today, if we look at social media, I feel like gone are the days where your brand is just a faceless person. You know what I mean? I feel like today people kind of want to see, people love to see the behind the scenes. People love to see a face to the brand. Do you believe that's kind of where we are now? Because back in the day, it was more so about a logo. That's all you needed to see. You knew that logo. You identified with that particular brand because it's a household name, something used daily. But now it's like every brand is really looking to be more connected to yeah. their customers. Yeah. So I love the, the quote, every brand is trying to become more human and every human is trying mm. to become a brand. So, <laughs> so. Oh my God. Right? That is so good. That is so true. And it is so true. And and so you're quite right. Brands are trying to figure out how can they become more human. And social is one of those mm -hmm. ways by having a personality. I just actually, I'm just finishing off a, 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 one of my uh, uh, blog posts, and it's about mascots. And mascots mm. is a way, uh, mascot is, is you know, it can be uh, a, a, a cartoon or it can be a face of, of a made up person uh, that represents yeah. the brand. Uh, Quaker Oats is a really good example of that. That's mm -hmm. a mascot of this, un, you know, uh, person uh, that doesn't really exist, yeah. but it's a person yeah. that can start building that relationship with. And then from a social perspective, mm -hmm. it, it can have a voice. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, KFC uh, oh, yeah. has, has a mascot. That person represents, you know, the, the colonel. And that is not the colonel. This is a made up character. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But this is how brands are being able to become more human. The interesting part is, you know, we, we keep hearing as as people, we need to be brands. And I kind of yeah. caution people a little bit on that because you're actually taking away some of the nuances that make you a person. Uh, because what you have to do is you have to really put yourself into a box. And I always say it's kind of like a cereal mm -hmm. box uh, because you have to take a three-dimensional and, and actually become a two-dimensional uh, thing 
for yeah. people to actually understand because as humans, we're too complex. Um, so you have to take some of that oh, yeah. complexity away to get to the essence of what you are as it concerns what are you selling. Do you have some of those clients that feel like um, that you have to convince that they need to be more human and when they're more so like, I just want my product or service to sell the business. I don't want to have to connect it to a story. Do you have to deal with those type of clients Absolutely. sometimes? And how do Absolutely. you convince them to be to understand that they have to be more human? It's it's when they want to expand or when they want to do something different, and then they have to try and convince their customers that this is a good thing. And and so yeah. it's all or, or when there's a problem. If there's a problem, i.e., something's happening, sales are down. What are we doing wrong? Uh, that's when you start really analyzing what's working and what isn't working. And then you start asking your customers, what is their impression? Then you find these gaps, these, these things that aren't mm -hmm. clear. And I think what you're seeing with a lot of brands today is this whole world of, of caring uh, and empathy. Yeah. And, and yeah, this is a new territory for lots of brands where they just go, you know what? I just want to sell my product. I don't need to have a bigger, mm -hmm. you know, uh, position, but they do because what people want to know is why are you doing this? Not what you're doing. That's obvious, mm -hmm. but yeah. why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. You got to lead with the why. And that's becoming like just kind of standard across like everything that we do. Everyone to know, like even if me starting this podcast, I had to ask myself, why do I want to do this? You know what I mean? Because you have to always lead with your why. So how do you tell someone to begin to think about building a brand? What do you tell them to do first? Think about the name or think about the story first and then kind of build from there. What are those steps? So I, I, I've created the five C's of branding. And, and these are sort of like pillars of, of understanding how do you build a brand. And the first one yeah. is that commitment. So you, you already mentioned, uh, Shawnee, that, you know, the why, the story, the vision, what is your purpose? Yeah. Uh, answering all those questions is underneath that commitment. The second one is construct and construct is the name, the logo, uh, the color palette, um, that you use, the, the personality, um, the archetype. All of the things that you want to start looking at, that you can start looking at it from a consistency perspective. And then the next one, yeah. which is really important, I think they're all actually all important. The next one is your community. And, and you know, that, I, I think a lot of people go surprised. Well, I thought you were going to, going to say customer. It was, you know, that's an important C and I'm going, it is. But actually, it's bigger than just your customers. You've got to start with your employees. Mm. Your employees are can become advocates if they understand your why. So you got to start in inside and get them convinced what you're doing is right. And then it'll be a little easier to get to your customers, but beyond your customers are influencers. Really important, particularly when you're starting, because you need other people mm -hmm. to voice what you what you believe you're doing is right. And you need some credible yeah. people to actually be saying, you know what, this is really good. And, and that's what, you know, we always look for. We always look for those, you know, again, the, the reviews um, as part of that, but also credible sources of, of people that are out there. And then the next one is content. And content is really the one that we also, you know, we talk marketing and marketing is part of that, but it's actually bigger than marketing. 
public relations become really important for, uh, again, uh, new entrepreneurs when you don't have any money. You don't have money to yeah. advertise. So if you can get somebody else to talk about you or write about you or put it from a social perspective that's going to push your message, this is, and it's free. So, so if mm -hmm. you can get other people to start talking about uh, what you're doing and what your product is, uh, you can't, you can't buy that. You can't buy that kind of advertising. And then the final one, mm -hmm. which I kind of tipped off earlier, which is consistency. It is about everything having to be, and this is the hardest one of all of them. This is the hardest one. How do you deliver your product or your service consistently every time? And doesn't matter where yeah. it's going to be delivered, how it's going to be delivered. You know, you, you think of, you know, a Starbucks, you go to Starbucks in Germany, in Berlin, you're expecting yeah. the same experience that you have in, in New York City. Yeah. That's true. So I consistency. I, use I think that. that's probably one of the hard parts. Yeah, and and if you and you need governance, you need tools in place, you need measurements, you need mm -hmm. systems in place to help you. You need training uh, as well mm -hmm. of your employees' expectations. They have to clearly understand what is the expectations. Um, your your suppliers need to understand what your expectations are as well. All of these things, mm -hmm. and you you don't start with those. I mean, that's the interesting thing. When you start thinking about how you build a product, you, it, it, you know, you're just trying to get the product built. Yeah. So it's yeah, a journey. That's true. All of this is a journey. Yeah. That's not like that. It's a journey. It's not a destination. It's not like one day you say, finally, ha ha, I got it. You know what I mean? Because people do rebranding. Like, how do you deal with rebranding? Well, especially with a company that has been, and it's so crazy. I've seen a lot of older companies that have rebranded in terms of like logos and just kind of modernize their brand versus kind of like doing a complete overhaul. Yeah. So, how would you tell someone to to go take steps of rebranding um, something that they're just trying to update? So, the first question is why. <laughs> I, yeah. I always ask. <laughs> I always ask that. That's my first question. <laughs> And then I asked my second yeah. question is why? And my third question is why? <laughs> and hopefully I'll actually get to the reason why. Yeah. But, yeah. but is it a problem? Is that the first, if, if it's a problem, mm -hmm. if something has changed, I mean, we're seeing today a lot of brands having to reevaluate um, as it concerns the society that has changed acceptability yeah. from a from a, an inclusion and diversity perspective mm -hmm. there are some brands yes. out there that you know are communicating not necessarily the right message and so they have yeah. had to change um their brand and change some of their yeah. nuances i mean you're seeing a lot of uh teams uh out there changing their names um as as a lot of their names are coming or a derogatory yes. from a sense of of first nations so yeah that's true if you're coming from that point of view, then rebranding makes really good sense. If you're rebranding mm -hmm. because you've gotten feedback from your customers to say, okay, your brand's kind of looking kind of old. It doesn't look like it is, you know, you know, current to the target audience. It's not, you may be able to tweak it without being so drastic that you actually change the name or change the complete look because you want to keep some of that consistency. I mean, a good example yeah. is Coca-Cola. 
when they when they you know change their 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 uh, Coca Cola um, ingredient, uh, and they came up with yeah. the new Coke, there was a mm -hmm. huge uproar of people wanting the classic, and they came back with the classic, right? So you yeah, got to be really did. careful about what you're trying to do and make sure that your customers are in support of it. If they've been seeing yeah. something and they are comfortable with it, and then suddenly overnight you've changed it completely, wow, that's a drastic move. So mm -hmm. you got to really clearly understand what is your customer's perception before and after, and are you actually achieving what you're trying to achieve? If your brand is in trouble, though, you know, it, it, yeah. you may want to rebrand, complete new name, and try to take it somewhere different. But you got to also be, mm -hmm. be very careful that you're not looking like you're trying to sort of whitewash uh, and and making people think that you're completely different because there is some value attached to what you are, regardless, good or bad. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why it's like in the beginning we said you got to know your why because have you ever dealt with a company that felt like they came in with a strong why, but then as they went along realized, hey, we're kind of evolving into something else. And that's probably why they had to do a rebrand. Yes. Yeah. You see that happening often? Yeah. yeah. All the time because technology changes. You know, Kodak. Yeah. Kodak is a really good example. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know if you remember having to take a picture and then waiting, you know, a couple of weeks uh, <laughs> to see that picture. <laughs> oh, a couple of weeks. <laughs> and and yeah, then, you know, take the film. Yeah. And then you get it and you go, oh, it's not in focus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's so true. That is and so, expectations it's so funny with Kodak because, yes, it is so funny because those cameras are back now, the ones that you actually get your picture right away. You got to shake it or either let it sit to kind of. It's so funny how things just come back around again, you know? Nostalgia. Used to use. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So tell me, what inspired you to do the book? Well, I actually it started off as a blog. And the reason I started the blog mm -hmm. was I had found out that Veuve Clicquot, which is the champagne, one, it okay. was, it was, I, I don't know if you've had, uh, if you've not had the champagne, you should have it. It's actually very, very nice champagne. Uh, okay. But Veuve is French for widow. Oh. And when when I discovered that, I'm going, wow. why would somebody put widow <laughs> Clico on a bottle of champagne? And yeah. the other thing that I found out was the actual the champagne was uh, started and built. The whole uh, company was built by a woman, um, mm -hmm. Barbara Nicole Clico. So I started my investigation to find out was it from a legal perspective that she had to put widow on this it was back in 1810 that was the first time she bottled uh, her product and started selling it and back in 1810 napoleon bonavart was out well, he i think he had wars with everybody um at the time there was uh uh, lots of, of uh, people that were going to war. There were, anyways, it was, it was a mess. And mm -hmm. Barbara Nicole started this business with her husband who passed away um, quite young. She had a daughter and 
She could have just not continued. She yeah. didn't have to. She had she had money. It, she didn't need the money, but she didn't. So that was the that was the the uh, start of my my journey. And then I started thinking, are there other women out there that I'm not aware of that built iconic brands? So I started this journey and it took me three years uh, to come up with uh, these 20 women that, as I said, goes back to 1810. The youngest brand uh, is, uh, oh gosh, it was a 2004, uh, 18, Mm -hmm. 19 years old brand, which is Tory Burch. Oh, I love Tory Burch. Great brand. Wow. What was one of the most, um, what are one of the most maybe shocking things you found out during the book? Like, did you, as a brand and guru yourself, what did you learn? And you said to yourself, wow, I didn't know that. Well, I think one of the things that shocked, well, I don't know if it was a shock, but a realization of how hard mm-hmm. it was for any woman to actually be an entrepreneur and to actually build a business that was huge. That every yeah. time she tried to do something, there was a barrier. Mm. Back, again, I think you're probably too young. I'm maybe <laughs> not. But women couldn't open a bank account without a man's signature oh, yeah. going back to 1964, I think. That's not too mm-hmm. long ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you had, if a woman wanted to start a business, she had to get a man to sign to allow her to open a bank account. She couldn't even get a credit card (laughs) until I think somewhere um, close to that time as well, without again a man's signature. So a lot of these women, Mm -hmm. how did they do this? They actually had to get their kids, their son, to sign, or their father, or someone. Uh, to help help them open up a bank account. So when these women started, as I said, everyone said they were crazy. You know, your idea is not going to work. What do you know? Have you ever done any of this? Yeah. They had never, most in most cases, if not all cases, they didn't even have an education. Wow. So I was blown away with how they persevered how they listened to themselves because they mm-hmm. had to. That was the only person they could actually listen to. And how yeah. they how they were just so able to learn and, and grasp concepts. I mean, these were all smart women. No question about mm-hmm. it. They're all smart women. But they came into what they were doing with no knowledge. So they had to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's something about that. There's something about that innocence of going, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I can learn yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. But they also trusted themselves to make the right decision. And sometimes some of their decisions were not correct, but they learned from those. Yeah. Wow. And that's, you know, I believe that's the journey of entrepreneurship, you know? It's trusting yourself and learning from your mistakes because you're not going to always make the right decisions, but sticking to what you believe in and pursuing that and moving forward. So that was just so amazing what you just said. It kind of defined what entrepreneurship journey is. 
<laughs> that is awesome. How was the writing experience for you? Is this your first book that you wrote? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how was the, the writing experience for you? So, did you feel like some days when you feel like, oh, why did I even get into this? <laughs> oh, yeah. I did quite a few times go, maybe I don't need 20. Maybe I can just do 15. Uh, and then I got yeah. to, okay, maybe just 17. But no, I <laughs> sure, it's a struggle. Yeah. But I really thought it was really important for these stories to be told. And I love their stories. Mm -hmm. Each story is unique uh, and, and how they persevered and how they got to where they got to. And they're all legends uh, in some respect, mm -hmm. but their brands are, I think one of the things that came out of all of this from, from a, from a writing perspective is I too learned from these women to be able to learn from myself and have the confidence to say, I can do this. Yeah. I did it. I published as an indie author, not because I, I didn't look for publishers. I did not look for publishers. And the reason I did not mm -hmm. look for publishers was I wanted to follow their footsteps to go, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so awesome. You got how you got inspired on your journey through their stories. I like that. That is absolutely amazing. That is really awesome. Did you see yourself one day being an author? Or did you just felt like, because I feel like anybody who writes well and can blog and do that kind of stuff, naturally to me is a writer. And eventually, yeah, you're going to be an author. That's my mindset. Because I tell people all the time, I'm not the best writer. I'm really not. <laughs> but I do my best. You know, I'm trying to do manifestation. So I am a good writer. I need to start telling myself that more often. But did you think the journey was going to lead you to writing your own book one day? No. So I, <laughs> I went, when I went to university, I took economics. I took business because English was mm -hmm. not my strength. Uh, writing was not my strength. Um, like you've <laughs> indicated to me, it was a, it was work to write. It was yeah. not a pleasure. Yeah. I have been yeah. writing now for the last 30 years because of my work and I need mm -hmm. to actually be able to write well. I had to learn and actually mm -hmm. I love it now. I love the, the, the power of words and what they can do uh, and yes. how they can influence people both from an advertising perspective, but also from, from a long copy. And so I, I've learned, but you know what? I know the last thing I ever would have ever said that I'm going to write a book. And I didn't tell anybody for two years when I had this thing. And I'm going, really? After the first year, I actually had to Google and say, how long is a book? Because I had no idea how many words were in a book. And then after I did that, that I'm so going, funny. I'm going, I'm pretty close. I actually have a book here. But it took me a while. <laughs> Before I had the confidence to say, you know what? I've written a book. Ooh, look at that. That's awesome, though. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I had to Google how many words is in the book. <laughs> I think a lot of and people have probably done that for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me ask you this. Where do you see, where do you see branding going in the next maybe... 10 years because right now I feel like social media is so intertwined like people now today build their brands based solely off of social media you know and feel like that's just it 
But then I think about, well, what if social media goes down? Does your brand no longer exist? Because it was all built on social media. So where do you see the branding process, just brand overall going in the next few years? I, I'm hoping that there's a better definition between sort of the people brand and the product brand or the service brand. Yeah. As long, I guess, as long as you're selling something, and I think this is where the, the the gray area comes in to me is is what is it you're selling, and how important is yeah. it to have a brand? I, I mean, from a social perspective, sure, there's a look. You, do you have to have a certain look? It's your personality, you know, to get yeah. across your personality. But I think some people are calling that brand. When people become famous, they're calling that yeah. brand. Everything's. We're, I think we're overusing the word brand because brand to me yeah. is much bigger than just a look and a feel. And, mm-hmm. and it's that commitment. So you're right. I think what the problem is, is there's so many now that as a consumer, we're inundated. We only see yeah. and deal with the ones that are important to us. Everything else is noise. Yeah. So- yeah. Yes, if if a social platform goes down, you're right. All those brands that are only on that platform will disappear. Yeah. I don't think it'll be, you know, the end of the world, that's for sure. It'll be eas- easier no, for me because then be I'll have less, less ones that I, I can have to remember. Yes, exactly. It just made me think of it because when TikTok, the CEO was in front of the congressional hearing and so many people were so afraid that if TikTok was to go down, there was this sole source of how they built their brand, how they make their money. They don't Uh, have anything outside of that. But, you know, so it made me think about, well, how important is it? This is fame. That's got nothing to do with, with, you know, the whole branding process. That's to do with Mm. fame. Like I'm a content. So when I'm a content provider and creator that I guess is, is a product and it is somewhat unique product, but will that product be existing a hundred years from now? No, because it's tied Mm. to one person. And this is where I'm, I I have the problem with, with a brand is you've got to separate the person from the brand because the brand, Mm -hmm. if you actually want it to live, it's going to have to live beyond just the person. And that's the problem. Mm. Most people are trying to tie a brand with the person. And once that person stops, that brand stops. The brand is gone. Wow. You know what? Nobody has ever put in that type of perspective for me. Now, that, that says a lot. Because you're right. A lot of these people feel like they're their brands. They're their content created. They are the brand. And if you stop or you're gone, then the brand is gone. The brand doesn't live on. True brands live on past their CEOs, their creators. And that is that's so where, true, Kim. And that's where the five C's become really important because those are foundational to make sure that brand survives beyond one person. Wow. Where can we get these five C's? Because <laughs> I got to go get them. <laughs> so, so, okay. Are they on your blog? Like, where are they? Yeah, they're, they're in the book, uh, Branding Queens. Mm-hmm. I had to come up with some okay. sort of foundation so that I could go through mm-hmm. each of these. I, my plan was to, to identify the strengths of each of these women under the five C's. What was funny though, 
what I finally started to do, and it was all subjective, right, as to whether they get a you know a five or a four point something for you know commitments yeah. versus content. They all have them. They all have all five C's, mm-hmm. and they're all high marks. I, I I'm going. I can't differentiate between each because you need all five to be a successful brand. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually writing my second book. I'm halfway through. Uh, and it's called oh. the five C's of branding. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, I can't wait for that book to come. So Shani, Shani, you're going to have to wait for that one. I'll okay. send you a and copy. I'm have you back on here so we can All talk right. about the, okay. Yes, and please I'll, do. And I'm going to have you back on so we can talk about the book, the new book that's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> because you're now an author. You are an author now. That's <laughs> part of who you are. <laughs> It's so funny how our life can just evolve into something that we never imagined for ourselves, really. Yeah. And to discover that kind of thing, it's like it's always so amazing to see it. And I always get to hear about it with other people when I bring people on the show who, you know, are entrepreneurs too and never expected to even be entrepreneurs. It just kind of right. like, it just kind of happened for me. Right. And that's kind of the story of everybody. Did you kind of hear that story with the women you interview where it's like, it's not what they set out to be. It's just kind of what they either had to do or just decided to do it was both what yeah. what what i what i did see was the commitment to be all in yeah and to learn and to yeah. listen to their customers mm-hmm. they understood their customers probably they were their customers in a lot of cases but mm-hmm. they spent time with their customers Learning from them, uh, uh, I can tell you one, you know, small story. Liz uh, Claiborne, um, so she's the fashion designer clothing uh, yeah. company, and she would often be in a store watching, oh. Oh, yeah, watching her uh, customers interact with her clothes. And mm-hmm. these these women that were looking at the clothes and you know trying them on, thought she was a she was a sales clerk. Uh, but she would be asking them questions, you know, she didn't, you know, didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm the designer, you know, here's, no, no, she was trying to figure out what they were looking for, what they needed, and whether she was addressing their problems that they had. Mm. Oprah That's Winfrey. Exactly what you have to do. Oprah oh, Winfrey. Oh. At the end of every one of her shows that she uh, recorded, she stayed to talk to the audience. Why? She wanted to find out their reaction to the show. She wanted to find out whether she'd, you know, hit the mark on some of the points that she she was trying to make. She was getting feedback. She was getting live feedback. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Estee Lauder. Estee Lauder, you know, the the cosmetic. She'd be on the sales floor, uh, floor all the time. So, you know, with cosmetic floors, usually the main floor in a department store, she'd be standing around. She would be the one out there, you know, spraying um, the scent so that people could smell it and go, where, where's that coming from? Uh, she was the first one to, to come up with free samples. Oh, wow. And again, so she could have that really? conversation with her customers. So it's important to make sure you have the conversation with your customers because your customers can help you better your product. 
know what you truly make it is successful and that is right wow. for them. So that's why that's why the why is so important because you have to lead with the why and it's about what can I how can I serve my customer that I'm trying to and, attract. And the brand is owned by the customer. The brand is owned by the customer. I like that. That's a good way. <laughs> this was good, Kim. I'm so glad you came on. I learned a lot about branding. I know my audience will. I cannot wait for the five C's to come out because All I'm right. definitely getting it. And I know they are too. Um, now, before I end the show, I asked every guest this question. What was some of the best advice you received from another woman? Wow. Uh, I knew you were going to ask me this and I, I, I actually made a huge yes. long list, but uh, I know there's only one. So <laughs> The one I'm going to tell you, which is probably the most important one I've learned uh, in my life, and that was mm -hmm. when a woman comes with a problem, for you, I have to ask two questions or at least understand, am I just listening or did you want me to fix it? Because in a lot of cases, what was required was just for me to listen. And I can tell you, as a man, we're, we're wired to fix things. So our automatic reaction is to fix things. And what I found out through time and through actually women telling me is though, no, no, all I want you to do is listen and empathize with me. And I go, wow, okay, I can do that. That is so true. A lot of times men are always trying to fix same thing with my husband. I'm telling him something. He'll be like, well, what do you want me to do? I don't need you to do anything. I'm just telling you. I'm sharing. I want you to listen to me. <laughs> you don't have to try to put the fire out. I can put it out myself. That is good advice. I like that, Kim. Thank you so much. This has been a really good show. I'm so glad you were able to come on. Um, definitely want to make sure we do. the book is available now, right? Yes. Yep. The current uh, you can one get is it. available now. All right. Branding Queens, you can find uh, Amazon as probably a good place. Uh, any any online uh, outlets, um, it's available uh, as well. There's also a Kobo has an audio version as well um, that you can find. There's a oh. hardcover, softcover, and of course, there's the ebook. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. You know, I should have gotten into some questions about being able to publish, be self-published, because that, that's a story in itself too, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Having to do that. So, yeah, we'll get into that next time, the next time we come back with the next book. So, all right, guys, listen, I am Shawnee Sanders. This is the Girl Techno Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Take No Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.